Have a little choo-choo ice for your reward. Japanese, a podcast where three civil servants in their 30s talk about anime. First up, it's not a criminal, he's not a porn star, it's Andrew! Yay! How's it going, folks? And the missing male member... I did not agree, agree to this joke. Josh! <laughs> no, seriously, I didn't agree to this. Why do you guys keep inserting this shit in here? Uh, it's aw, missing. Someone's really, really salty tonight. And coming to you from Camp 3... I'm Bill. Hey, Bill! We're back! Another episode of 2D Japanese! How are you guys doing? Oh, not too bad, actually. Outside of the missing male member bullshit. Yeah, you should probably find that. I bet that's important. Uh, my girlfriend probably has it. Oh! Wow! Whoa. wow. I, uh, I'm not I, planning on her listening to this, apparently. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to be ultra gay. I'm never missing any male members. <clears throat> What? You catch, you catch them all? <laughs> I, I got Like they're Pokemon? All. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Darn right. The boys must like you. Charadong. <sighs> you know, I got all your male members. I guess Squirtle still <laughs> works. <laughs> this bony ass brings all the boys to the yard. All your Dick ma- at you. <laughs> I, did, I choose you. All your male members belong to me. Oh. So. <laughs> I can't remember any more Pokemon. You're out of Pokemon. <laughs> so we are going to... Move right in. Chodazard. Uh, oh, we're moving in? We're no. Oh, Bill, thank you, man. I was really getting tired of living in a two-bedroom apartment. Well. Yep, welcome to the storage room. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, great. This no. is my corner. Oh, great. Now we're going to have your shit everywhere, and we're not ever going to be able to record. No, he can't bring any shit. He can just sleep in here. Okay, fair enough. So this is episode six. Holy shit. Can you believe we haven't killed each other yet? No. What? Why? What have you heard? <laughs> I, I was watching you play Fallout earlier. I assumed bad things the bloodlust you have tonight the bloodlust you have the bloodlust we all have the bloodlust uh tonight we are reviewing episode six the cold is winter snowed under episode so as always how's our week going well you know aside from the missing male member bit (laughs) you said male member bit that didn't happen this week is that the problem get bit off no that's teeth noises (laughs) No, no, let, let's leave that uh, between me and my girlfriend, okay? And just, But no, uh, aside from that, though, uh, things are going all right. Good, good to hear. It's been pretty, uh, more or less normal for me. All right, all right. Do, uh, do we have banter? Oh, yes, we do. We always have banter. Ah, yes, let's banter away. Uh, who wants to start? Bill, you've kind of got something that's really nice to hear, so why don't you go ahead and start Well, something that's really important. We have to say thank you for some shout-outs 
that a couple of my favorite podcasts have thrown our way. All right. Tech Guy Steve from All in the Reflexes. Okay. He was one of the two hosts originally of Postcards from the Dungeon. Oh, okay. Love Postcards. Him and Jeb. They've moved over to join Mikey Mason on All in the Reflexes. Ah, the geek connoisseur of music. All right, well, you know, help, help explain to anyone who might not listen to these podcasts. What, what are these about, podcasts about? Uh, Postcards from the Dungeon was simply a uh, gaming podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Uh, taking a topic, breaking it down, uh, maybe a movie or a particular type of creature, and they just sort of all explored it. I think they felt they ran out of some steam. Which it can happen. And uh, shut down Postcards, which I was actually kind of sad about. And then when we saw them at the last Fear the Con, ah, yes. uh, I found out that they had actually joined Mikey on All in the Reflexes, which is just, a, I think they call it a, a vivisection of geek culture. Vivisection of geek culture. I love that word. I, it's a great word. Yeah. It's just kind of news, current events uh, that the hosts comment on. Steve himself does the What Weird Anime Is Steve Watching segment. Oh, nice. And, uh... We might hear more from him in the future. We might. Oh, we might indeed. Possible collaboration? Possible. Yeah. Foreshadowing, dun, gentlemen. Dun, dun. Oh, yes. And one of my other favorite podcasts, the Gameable Podcast, started out as the Gameable Disney. Now they're on to the Gameable Pixar. Nice. Uh, hosted by Chris and Katrina. Mm-hmm. If you're into gaming at all, or Disney movies, it's a fantastic review breakdown and advice so let's just be clear really quick when you mean gaming do you mean video gaming or some other kind of i gaming? mean tabletop gaming tabletop gaming i mean there might be some people that might be listening to us and they say gaming they're like oh hey you know what they're gonna talk about fallout and have disney twist to it no we're actually talking about tabletop role-playing games stuff like dungeons and dragons yes yep pen and paper uh, I've actually used some of their more recent advice about adding a bearded skeleton. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Yes, you did. And Chris was 100% right. We uh, loved him. They uh, they shouted out us on Game Boy Pixar, the uh, Brave Discussion episode. Yep. Also, check out Chris's micro RPG, Panties of Legend. Panties of Legend. To find out what uh, your three hosts' panties would be. <laughs> You it's, need to go check that out. Go check out that episode. We we well, apparently find out in that episode. Yes. Well, I mean, right now. I mean, pause our podcast. We'll no, wait. 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 We wait, can wait. 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 Just just do it when we're done. All yeah. Right. Listen to all of them. Because they'll probably think that theirs is better than ours. Or it's pretty good. Yeah, it is pretty good. So awesome. That's really cool that we got a few shout outs. Um, yeah. And thank you very much, Teach Us Podcast. We very much appreciate it. You guys are awesome. You know what? I'm going to go next. I've got. Some anime banter. All right. All right? So, as we are all people living in the Quad Cities, which is spanning Iowa and Illinois, about an hour away... We straddle the Big Wetty. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's disgusting. That's Um, that's what we call the Mississippi. I don't think... I've never heard anyone call it the Big Wetty before. (laughs) I have nothing. You just did. Oh, Lord. I have no comment. So, about an hour away in Coralville, Iowa, apparently there is an anime convention every year called Anime Iowa. And I've never been there. But I was curious. I wanted to see, like, what was going on when it was happening this year. And by the way, it's happening July 29th through July 31st of this year. As I was going through the website trying to see what kind of stuff they offer, I found their list of guests. Can you just throw out a name that you think would be at the very top of their guest list? Ultimate Warrior. 
No, no, no. no. no Anime-related uh, Crispin Freeman. Dude, is it Crispin Freeman? Uh, Tell me it's Crispin I, I, Freeman. I, I, I'm still... Just Crispin Freeman? I still have Johnny a, Young Bosch? I still have a problem. Johnny Young Bosch and Crispin Freeman together? The Ultimate Warrior's dead. Um, so... <laughs> Merle Haggard. Uh, no, no. You're all what? wrong. Wow. <laughs> God, no. Shinichi Watanabe. Nabashin uh, is going to be at Anime Iowa. What? Your intrepid group of hosts are going to find a way there. We're going to probably st- a car. Probably a car. Probably your car. It's probably got the best gas mileage. It's got good gas mileage. We're going to go and see if we can talk with sh- with Mr. Watanabe himself. Uh, you do understand that these cons do tend to have the guests have very tight schedules. We'll and- just follow him around the entire time. We'll shadow him. We'll follow him back to his hotel room, and we'll be and, and we'll be inside his hotel room when he shows up. And we're like. Hi. We're not Nabashin. Are you going to be naked? <laughs> I'm going to do the naked man. The naked see, fan. I'm going to do the naked fan and see if it works. The naked fan. I like that. I'm going to do that and see if that works. And Andrew made it creepy. I, yeah, I did. But yeah, Shinichi Watanabe. That would be awesome. That is fantastic. And if you don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about the man behind Excel Saga, the anime, behind mm-hmm. Puni Puni Puemi, behind a number. I think he does some work on Tenshi Muyo. Uh, He's pretty well known. He's done a lot of stuff, and it's I'm really stoked. Actually, I was uh, following up on your information about Shinichi Watanabe uh-huh, uh-huh. showing up, and I actually went to my friend Colleen, who is always at attendance at Anime Iowa, and she informed me that he is almost always there. Wow. Kind of just hanging out doing Watanabe things. <laughs> so that Sounds amazing. That, it does. It does. So, so we should go get drunk with him. That would be kind of an awesome idea. I think it's great. If I mean, we if we can get that to happen, we'll get him on mic. We'll get him. To, I mean, I don't know how good his English is. Hopefully, it's very good. Uh, well, if he if he comes to Iowa of all places, not as good as it was if he was drunk. Oh, that's a good point. So yeah, that's that's my that's banter good. this week. Uh, we will follow up on that when July hits, and we'll let you know how that goes. All right. Well, for me, recently I came across some a series of photos in the same vein as the conventions uh, starting starting up here convention scene. Mm-hmm. I found some photos that a photographer did with a number of cosplayers, kind of as a public service announcement for people that troll the cosplayers that will say negative things. It's up on on our page on Tuning Japanese on Facebook. But the photos have a cosplayer holding up a card with the message of something derogatory or derisive that was said to them or to a cosplayer in general. And then following that, a very positive outlook message in response to it. It kind of got me thinking, with the convention season starting up soon, we're going to have a lot of cosplayers out there. And there's always a lot of controversy about cosplayers. There's a lot of issues, some of which are the male fans horribly ogling or trying to hook up with the females that are in sexy outfits, and maybe even vice versa. I mean, it can get very, it can get very stressful. As a person that cosplays himself, and you guys see my cosplay, mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. for one, it's an original character. It's not from an, any type of uh, fandom. It's a steampunk character of my own. But I put in a lot of effort to make it look good, to really be impressive. And I really appreciate when people give me good feedback. And that's what I'm going to get at. Give good feedback. These people that do cosplay, they do it to make themselves feel better. They want to express their love for the show, or they want to express their ability in either acquiring an outfit or 
making a cosplay themselves. Some of these people put in a lot of time, effort, and money to do this. And last thing they want is some jackass to go up to them and say, well, you're too fat to wear that outfit. Or, you're not the right gender to be in that outfit. You shouldn't be in there. You know, it's starting to sound like the comic book guy from The Simpsons. Excuse me, that is not the correct way to do it. Folks, if you're out there at a con and you're thinking about being a dick, just don't be a dick. Let people have fun and do what they want to do. It's their choice. It is. A nice tits doesn't count as a compliment. That's very true. Fair enough. Yeah, don't, very true. Stop. Stop looking at the person, the gal in the Power Girl outfit. Stop looking at her tits. She has eyes that are just a little bit higher. We're forgetting WrestleMania was this week. Oh, oh yes! yes, yes, of course. Uh, the last and it sucked. Oh, <laughs> it not that. Not that. Bad. It wasn't that it great. Sucked pretty I heard. bad. It wasn't that bad. But the highlight by far the women's re- the women's title match in ring certainly. Okay, but. The highlight overall, 20-foot box of bootios. Oh, good lord. Okay. It comes tipping over, and out of the giant cereal pieces comes the New Day, dressed as Saiyans. What? If you don't care about wrestling, just Google WrestleMania, the New Day, Saiyan, and you'll find the picture of them in their coming out of the cereal box is pretty fantastic. Yeah, so, and just to throw it out there, if you think that a bunch of no-neck jocks are not geeks, I think that's proof right there that a bunch of no-neck jocks can be geeks as well. At least some of them. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, so they had, they even had the tails and everything. It was amazing. It was something else to see. I didn't see WrestleMania, but I did see the video later, and I was like, holy shit, that is pretty cool. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, banter out of the way. Banter over. Time to start episode six of Excel Saga. Uh, the cold is winter snowed under episode. Josh. Correct. It's your week, my man. All right. And here we go. Just going to jump right in there. We open with Excel screaming at the top of her lungs. Some ridiculous shit. She wasn't even sure what she was saying. As yeah, I had no idea. She starts monologuing that she's in a pretty bad situation and that she needs help. Shot of a mountaintop. That apparently might be the mountain that excels on. We hear echoing a very familiar voice. He gives his permission. Of course. Of course. The typical setup. Yes. Excel once again is, is like, well, who the hell is that? And why are you... I just need some help. And you hear, to make the Excel saga. He goes, what is going on with this self-important echo? Once again, it's Koshi Rikdo to make the Excel saga into a survival drama. At which point, uh, the line was hanging on is cut. And we see Koshi Rikdo standing next to a Poochu who's holding a, a knife. Yes, a very menacing Poochu this time. Oh, yes. He asks the Poochu if he feels better. Poochu, of course, cutely says Poochu. And then Koshi gives him a thing of choo-choo ice. Which is what? Yeah, what's up with the choo-choo ice? I, that looked kind of familiar, but I'm not sure. Is it like those little ice packs you used to get? Like, we like, should ask our expert. I <sighs> completely forgot to do research on choo-choo oh. ice. Sorry, guys. I, I, I kind of got a little busy this week. Oh. I, I can't help it, you know? Ah, uh, oh, jeez, all right. Fail. Yeah. But we cut to the opening credits. Although you missed the... Oh, uh, yes, the Poochu. The, the Poochu saying, burn in hell. Yes, that's right. The Poochu does... Burn in hell. That's from the great. cute face to the ugly Golgol 13 face says, burn in hell. And then we cut to the opening. Cut to the airport. Did you notice that the airplane in the background had a poochu on it? I didn't. Oh, yeah. the one that was landing. Yes. Yes. yes it I'm... had like uh, 
yeah, like, art of a Puchu on yeah, the side. Yeah, it was, was fantastic. As we cut to the interior, we see Nabashin arguing with the uh, with a flight attendant. Well, or a bunch s- of weaponry and armed. <laughs> a tank goes by. A tank. At one point. A tank uh, looks like the paramilitary group. Yes. Uh, all of them carrying weapons. Now, I want to make a point here. Uh huh. This anime was made in 1999. This is pre-9-11. That's true. It's a different world back then. It was. You could, you could take anything on there. It wouldn't matter. You know Exactly. You know, they, they weren't thinking you were going to hijack the plane because there were other people with guns on you the could, plane. You could take more than three ounces of peanut butter and not have it considered to be a gel. You could walk through the metal detectors with your shoes on. There wouldn't be an issue with that either. That's true. You could probably bring a gun on the plane. They'd be like, all right, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Plane jokes. Plane jokes. Now, did I misunderstand... At the end of this exchange where Nabashin says, Say stewardess, bitch! You might. I, you I, might. You might be right. I was more paying attention to the guy in his underwear in the background. Right, because what we Shock. see... <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Shocking. Scandalous. Yes, because we see a guy walking and we hear the metal detectors going off and security immediately grab the guy. Hey, you set off the detectors! This is after, of course, the military guys come through with loaded weaponry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's all interrupted when we see a shot. Female shoes. We start hearing some peppy. No, no, it's more just peppy music, but it starts scanning up the legs. And it stops for a moment to have a view of the butt. Scans up more towards the torso. Stop to have a view of the breasts. And it stops at the top of the breasts. And, well, she's not too happy that the camera stopped. No, not in the least. No, no. Much like Deadpool, she breaks the fourth wall a little bit here. But it's more of a threatening way. She She said, go ahead. Keep going. But her eyes have been redacted, to which she states that she's not a criminal. So then the view changes to a blurred out, pixelated version of her face. And she goes, I'm not a porn star. <laughs> I love that line. And finally, we see a clear view face of this redheaded, stunning woman. And we get a pullback to information card. Her name is Matsuya Misaki. Age, 22 years old. She's a character that does not flatter guests. She's one-quarter British. Her hobbies are traveling alone. Her family, she has parents and a younger brother. First-person reference is Atashi. And she uses Kun, that's K-U-N, to define scoundrels. Now, if you make this a thing where every episode you try to try to get the information like they do on the Sailor Business podcast, where they constantly try to remind us everything about Sailor Moon Usagi, I will slap the shit out of you. Oh, no, no. But one of the other pieces of information is that Matsuya is voiced by Tiffany Grant. Tiffany Grant! And she does kind of creep in a little bit of a British accent every now and then. Nice. I'm not sure if that's Tiffany Grant or if that's the character. I don't know. Because she is one quarter British. But... Very funny, she's very pissed off that the director is cutting short her introductory sequence by, once again, showing perverted images, this time a space rocket ship flying off, and she obviously hates the fact that being used as a sexual character. Sexual. Sexual. A sexual, baby. I think they call that fan service. Yes. Yeah, I get a lot of that in this episode. After we see have our introduction of Matsuya, we cut to City Hall where we see Awada walking with Watanabe and Sumiyoshi, and Awada is just pumped up about their first day of work as civil servants. I mean, he is ready to go. He's ready to take it on. Yeah, and Watanabe is not happy. He no. wonders, well, how the hell did this guy even pass the civil service test exam? Definitely, and Sumiyoshi is just... And Sumiyoshi is Bill right now because he's just staring like... I bet he's got something to say, but it's just scripted above his head we can't read. I got nothing. Ah, it's oh, okay. damn it. 
So, once again, we're getting Wada being all pumped up. He kicks open the door, and he starts introducing himself to his new co-workers until we realize that he is actually in the ladies' locker room. Yeah. And there's a bunch of ladies getting changed into their different outfits. A little bit more cheesecake fan service there. Iwata tries to escape, but then gets drugged into the ladies' locker room, to which he, we presume he gets his ass kicked. Oh, yeah. Watanami and Sumiyoshi are walking off. Sumiyoshi suggests that they completely ignore him. Mm-hmm. At which point, Iwata pops out, grabs Watanabe's legs, like, help me, Watanabe! And Watanabe immediately starts denying that he knows him and kicks him, and the Smart ladies move. grab him, drag a him back in. tactic we've used on Josh. Uh, once or twice. One time. One time I accidentally go into the ladies' locker room at the swimming pool, and you never let, let it accidentally. down. Accidentally. One time you walked around the mall in a mesh shirt that you bought a Hot Topic. <sighs> was, he, was he wearing leather pants, too? I don't think he could afford leather pants. Oh, fair enough. He's probably wearing his chainer pants. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was going to make a pervert joke about you being in a locker room, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, no, you're not that cool. Fuck you. Mesh shirt. <laughs> All right, fine. So I had a really bad goth phase right out of high school. Music's still cool, though. So we get to Watanabe and Sumiyoshi. They have arrived at the office where the sign for the environmental protection group is... Looks like it's just a printed piece of paper that's taped onto the door. They <laughs> like ste- you do. They step in, and it's an empty room. Yeah, nothing. Literally nothing no, in the room, except for a note on the ground. A note on the ground that Sumiyoshi is the only one that notices. Well, of course. Sumiyoshi isn't too busy yapping his jaw. Exactly. Well, and of course, well, before Sumiyoshi does, uh, Iwata finally shows up. Quoting one of my, a line that I do enjoy was, Nice floor, nicely waxed. <laughs> At which point, when not Watanabe's just losing his mind on him, saying, you know, if you gotta say something, say something that everyone can understand. And Sumiyoshi finds the piece of paper, finds out that it's instructions from their boss to go to a training facility, which is obviously a secret location. Right. Watanabe asks Sumiyoshi, how does he know about secrets? To which Sumiyoshi is actually able to uncover a secret dream of Watanabe's. We're, yes. Uh, you want to go ahead and describe no, it, this? No, it, it was a cool scene where, where he unravels this egg-shaped dream sequence where uh, good old Hyatt, or Hachan, Hachan. Is, uh, is, is, you know, confessing her love to Mr. Watanabe, and it's adorable until Iwata, Iwata goes a little nuts. He actually starts stopping. Quite literally. Yes, on Watanabe's dreams. Yeah, which is... Pretty pretty common for this show. Oh, yeah. Dream Stopper. Yeah. Dream Stopper. Stop those dreams. Yeah. We now make another transition, this time to the Across Headquarters. Oh, I love the Across Headquarters. Oh, Lord. Because they're amazing. It's a dark room. Yeah. Wait till next episode. Dark room will be even darker. I can't wait to review this next episode. It's going to be great. Of a dark room. Yes. It starts that way. Just don't spoil it. Spoilers. Spoilers. I'm not spoiling anything. I don't know anything. Spoilers, motherfucker. All right, boys, boys, yes. boys. Let's get on task here. Oh, yes. Because we see Lord Il Palazzo. <gasps> ah, Lord Il Palazzo, sir. So we shoot to Lord Il Palazzo, once again, saying the world is corrupt, and saying, well, technically the previous mission was a success, so apparently the Fuck It Fairy's rebooting of reality didn't completely go through and all the shenanigans on City Hall did happen? I guess. I that, Yeah. While Lord Il Palazzo is once again going on a, his monologue, we take a shot of both Excel and Hyatt. Excel on her knees, listen, <laughs> listening <laughs> raptly 
Wow. Rapidly paying attention to Lord Il Palazzo's ramblings, and we see Hyatt apparently on her deathbed. Literally. There's a hospital bed, a hospital bed. bed wheeled in with her laying kind of pathetically in. Yep. It's kind of sad. Really, it is. It's I very mean, haphazard. A little I bit. I don't get it. I don't, where, where are all those cords connected to? Oh. Her body? Well, yeah, but like, where are they plugged in at? It's a oh, dark room, like you said. Where? Uh, well, there, there's no okay. lights going on because all that medical equipment is, is actually plugged into the only generator that oh, Lotso was able to get. Got it. Makes sense now. Excel uh, also says that she enjoys, it may be weird, but she enjoys starting out in this standard way. Taking note that she enjoys whenever they start their episodes with them getting their mission from Lord Il Palazzo as opposed to not doing that sort of thing. And this is one of those weeks where we actually get a mission. Yes, we do. We do. They always start this way, but they don't always get a mission. This week we get a mission. We do get a mission. Because Lord Il Palazzo begins to ask, there is something across needs. (gasps) He asks Excel, what is it? Uh, uh, Do you mean like that money thingy? Well, if you're talking about that useless currency that is being circulated by the current corrupt government, then no. Ah! Across does not need that. No, what we need is... Resources! Damn it, you stepped on my line. Sorry about that. Right. That's I need what... adhesive. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> We're not playing Fallout. Though it is You're a not. Re- <laughs> Though it is a Oh, God, are you playing Fallout in your head? A little bit. Oh, Lord. God damn it. How many times has he killed us? Oh, man. He's probably vatsed us a million times yeah, by right now. Right now, I'm sure. Rat dudes. The but... podcast within a podcast. Yeah. Rat dudes. <laughs> Rat dudes. This is getting so meta. <laughs> So, of course, Lord Il Palazzo is saying that Across needs resources. Resources! And they must acquire these resources. It looks like Hyatt is about to inform Lord Il Palazzo of the inherent flaw in his logic that in order to acquire resources, they're going to need to have money. But XL immediately kind of smacks her to shut her up. You know, at some point during this, I think before the resources line, uh, Hyatt dies again. Oh, yes. And Excel has to give her CPR in the lower back, by the way, which is very strange. It worked. It did. It It brought her back to life. I'm I'm sorry. Yes, I did. What are you, a doctor? I... You don't know. My kids at school ask me all the time stupid things, like... Should my arm bend this way? Do you think this cut's infected? Things like that. And I'm just like, I don't know. What am I doing? You teach English. You don't know anything practical. <laughs> I don't. So, <laughs> so anyway, Excel interrupts Hyatt's most logical question. What am I, not an English teacher? <laughs> no, no, you aren't. To a oh, that was you. <laughs> what am I, not an English teacher? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, Christ. Excel ends up interrupting Hyatt's most logical question to agree that Lord El Palazzo's desire for resources is a good thing. Even making a quote that a certain wise man from the East said that if they have enough resources, they could keep fighting for 10 years. I think she's referencing World War II. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because she's also got a little battleship she's twirling with Japanese flags on there. And then she, of course, makes the mention, well, of course, they still lost war anyway, which seemed to actually upset Lord Il Palazzo as he drops Excel down the pit. He does. Maybe he just wanted her to shut up. So apparently, though, Lord Il Palazzo supported the Axis powers for World War II? Meh. Or I'm not shocked. That's what the world is corrupt, my friend. Oh, fair enough. That makes more sense now. So anyways, we cut to our intrepid three neighbor characters driving down the road. They've been driving for about five hours now, and they're pretty much lost. Watanabe starts blaming 
Iwata, who has the map, but when you get a shot of the map, it's a shot of the entire F prefecture with only a dotted line yeah. plotting a very generalized course to get to where they need to get to. Not an effective map. So they yeah. get lost, and... Uh... They end up passing the sign that that indicates that they're getting going into Y Prefecture. Yeah, they're way off. Oh God, yes. I mean, you know, Wada finally says, "Oh, I see where it was. We needed to take that last right turn." Watanabe starts freaking out. There hasn't been a right turn for a while now. Because yeah, that was the last one. He goes, "That was two prefectures back." So I mean, they've really been on the road for a while, folks. I mean, Will they find where they're going? Maybe we'll find out in a few. But we cut now back to Excel, panning for gold, nice. freezing her ass off in a frozen river, panning for gold in order in an attempt to acquire the resources that Lord Il Palazzo wants them to acquire. You know, resources is such a broad category. Yeah, I would. What what specifically does he need? Does he need gold? Is he looking for like wood for sheep? I mean, what what is Ooh, he? <laughs> I was I was ex- I should have thought about a seller's. Yeah, thank you, thank uh, guys. I'll be here all week, folks. Yeah, there we go, there we go. Josh got excited about wood for sheep. He did. He did. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's that blow up sheep that he has. Uh, hey, you don't talk about her like that. Oh, what's her name? Matilda. <laughs> Matilda. Oh God, that's so disturbing. <laughs> Old leaky. Ew. Just <laughs> got that. I meant air holes. Oh. So Excel's monologuing about panning for gold as she imagines Lord Il Palazzo once again declaring for... Resources! We need more resources, Excel! And then Excel realizes, but there really hasn't been any gold found in this mountain. As we see Hyatt floating, (laughs) well... Swimming, inching. I, I, She's inchworming in the water. Her leg is one leg is kicking, <laughs> moving her. It's fantastic. And she informs Excel that they need to get back to work, or else the owner is going to be upset. Oh, the owner. We'll find out who that is. Yes. Then there's Menchi. Then we cut to Menchi. Yes, Menchi. You're correct. Menchi ah! climbing the mountain in the most adorable booties. Yes, I mean. It's the most harsh of conditions. She's striking matches to keep warm. It's ah. adorable. She has these totally cute little mittens and booties. It's so cute. And then she's, she begins imagining as she's lighting a match. JC staff matches. Yes, by yeah. the way. Yes. Who knew that they, they made the anime and matches? That's mm-hmm. amazing. Gotta make some money. As she's staring into the matches flame, she imagines Excel talking about Menchi being their food supply. As well as Hyatt. Says that she very delicious. And I have to point out that even in Menchie's horrible nightmares of Excel and Hyatt, Hyatt's still very polite. Oh, very much so. So cute. So then we cut back to what is known as the Yukimi Pension, where... I think I think that's uh, pronounced Rory Kenshin. No, no, no. Yukimi Pension. Rory Kenshin. No, no, we are not doing Rory Kenshin. I don't care. Move on. Okay. <laughs> Trying to... Excel and Hyatt are being berated by the owner of this lodge, who is voiced by Andrew Kilm. Excel tells the owner that they were late from lunch because, well, they got lost in the snow. Hyatt promptly informs him that she's made all the beds and cleaned all the rooms, and the owner looks at Excel and wonders what she's going to do. She says that she was going to go get some supplies. The owner equips her with a gun and says, well, we need meat. Go hunting. I, the look on her face is great in that scene. She's kind of like, uh, what do I, like, what the fuck do I do with this? He goes, well, you take it and you shoot an animal with it. And she kind of freaks out in the very uh, similar fashion that we saw in an earlier episode where she looks like the uh, the Scream Yes, painting. and he shoves her out the front door. Out she goes. Out at gunpoint. 
Bye, yes, guys. And, yeah, yes, that's right. I forgot about that. I oh, forgot shit. You. Bill's here. Bill, he remembered something about the anime. I did, because I kept thinking, why didn't she just point the bigger gun back? <laughs> that is very true. So then we cut back to the three neighbors, who's now the car has been broken down. It's night. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do next. Because- but it doesn't matter, because they find out they're right outside the building. Right, they're, they're right outside the building. Well, that's because they see their boss, Kabapu, <laughs> sleeping outside the building. Adorably snoring, going, they're so late. Yeah, <laughs> so worried that, that they're late. He's a good leader. Unlike Il Palazzo, who could care less, this guy cares about his employees. That they're marveling that they have actually made it to the training center. Matsuyo arrives, at which point the guys both are like, oh, it's a dame! <laughs> Whoa, a dame! It's great, it's fantastic. And Iwata begins to proclaim that he and Matsuyo will become partners in world peace. Uh, this is not going to end well for him, is no, it? No, no, she's oh. not. Mm-mm, no, we, we were shipping a few episodes back. I don't know if this one's going to work oh, out. Oh, God, no. Hell no. But we cut back to Excel, who's trying to do some hunting, and she's spying some very, various cute animals, and mm-hmm. she just can't shoot them because of the looks of innocent within their cute little eyeballs. Yeah, she says, and I quote, this is one of the few things I really like to quote, she says, It's no good! How can I pull the trigger when I can see the innocent sparkle in their cute little eyeballs? I love it. That, it's great. That and her finger is frozen and solid. And her finger is, I forgot, her finger is frozen solid. Until finally, she takes a shot... And it's Menchie. Oh no, she kills Menchie! Menchie! We go to the break card where we see Excel carrying the dead body of Menchie to the Great Will of the Macrocosm, asking her to reset. Yeah, like a washing machine. Just tosses him. Tosses a dead Menchie in there. Tosses on the the resurrection cycle? The resurrection cycle. The resurrection cycle. I like it. We're back from the return break card, and the Great Will says that uh, when Menchie's ready, Excel runs and reaches in to the lower quadrant of the great well and says, ooh, it's kind of warm in here. And pulls out a now living Menchie. Ooh, she was fishing around, fist full of... Blah. Dude, she went straight to the elbow. She did go to the elbow, go, digging for Menchie. She did. And pulled the dog out. And pulled the dog out. <laughs> Ooh, you gotta go see a gynecologist. So we see uh, Excel and Hyatt discussing why Menchie is there, and Hyatt reveals that she brought Menchie along just in case they needed her because, well, as an emergency meat supply... She needs to be readily available. Absolutely. So, once again, the owner shows up wondering what took Excel so long. She says she got lost in the snow again. And the owner's like, oh, hey, you got a dog. Well, it's been a while since I cooked dog meat, but I know a great Szechuan-style uh, meal. I love he just pulls his outfit, complete outfit aside. Right. He's wearing, like, regular clothes. and like, winter, with one, winter, winter clothes. Yeah, with one swipe, then it's, like, apron and two giant fucking cleavers. It was pretty badass. Yeah. Excel then informs the owner that, well, Menchie's their personal meat supply. So he's like, okay, well, he's a cute dog. I'm going to go feed it some milk. And walks off telling Excel that they're going to just have to starve. Excel freaks out a bit until Hyatt drops a nice mysterious box to Excel. Excel's like, what is this? She goes, well, it's from Lord Il Palazzo. Shouldn't Excel have learned the last time she got a mysterious box with, yeah. with like, something inside of it? I don't think Excel learns anything. All right. You're probably right. Given, given the box, Hyatt informs that there were instructions that when the story reached a climax, they should use it. Yes. Ooh, very interesting. So very we cut sexy. back to the, to the training center where Wada, Sumiyoshi, and Watanabe are informed that they must go change in the locker room. To which Iwata freaks out. Oh, and, man. He, and everyone's else like, why are you freaking out? He's, he's like, it's one locker room. 
a single locker room. We may get a chance to see Matsuya Misaki naked. And this is your favorite part of the episode. Oh my god, it's hilarious. So Matsuya shows up, one, wearing a very tight outfit, but we're going to get get to that in a second. She's not too happy with Iwata familiarizing himself with her full name and using the words, see her naked. Yeah, she really doesn't like the fact that people use her actual name. I think she wants to be called like... Just Matsuya. She Matsuya. Wants to be Matsuya. So once again, and Iwata begins backpedaling like crazy, trying to come up, cobble together some sort of phrase that would not piss her off. But of course, she rears back in and he realizes, oh yeah, you're going to hit me, and blam! She knocks him straight into the vending machines right behind him. There's but a hey, scene- free soda. Yeah, free soda. Free soda. Yeah. That is awesome. Free, free Nuka-Cola. <laughs> but there, I love the scene when he's recovering and like he starts freaking out after the conversation that they have a little bit and he's just got like this giant can of soda in his mouth like, oh, 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 trying to right. talk and it's great. But as uh, Iwata is still recovering from his hit into the vending machines, Watanabe begins to ask her about the outfit. Once again, we see some fan service-y shot Which, going sa- up. Same, same thing up the body. Same yeah. deal. She is not happy. She explains that it's a bit much for her. And Watanabe's like, well, I'm not sure if we should be able to wear this. And then Awada pops out with a giant soda in his mouth, complaining that a guy should not wear such a skimpy, revealing outfit. I totally disagree with Awada on this. Hey, you know... Let, let, let the men wear what they like. You know what? If it's good for the well, ladies, it's good for the like. Well... Maybe they should... Never mind. I don't know. Maybe they should like it? Maybe they should like it, goddammit. You're gonna wear it? You're gonna like it, Bill. I bought you that G-string three weeks ago. I have just yet to see you wear it. If you bought me a G-string, I'd wear it. I know you would. <laughs> You'd be like, hey, look at this. My ass is eating this shit. <laughs> look at my dog helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. So we cut to Excel and Hyatt, who are now climbing the mountain. They have been ordered by Il Palazzo to put the box on top of the mountain and set it to the city below as a target. But they don't get very far because no. immediately Hyatt is frozen in a giant icicle. I know. Once again, Excel's like, not again! Yeah. Grabs Hyatt. And- I wonder, how many times has that happened on their climb up? I like, don't she's been, know. like, completely encapsulated. But she throw- she decides that, well, she needs to thaw Hyatt out, so she builds a fire to which she actually screams, I'm fire! <laughs> <laughs> and one of the best parts, she decides, she decides for some reason, well, instead of the fire just doing its thing, because obviously Hyatt's going to be fine, Hyatt dies all the time. She says, I'm going to use my body warmth. She says, just hold on, Hachan. I'll warm you with pure bodily warmth. And disrobes, completely yep. naked, yep. walks up to the, the what, crystallized what, ice. In a moment I like to call cheesecake moment number one. Yes. She... Walks up to the frozen hot uh, Hyatt going, hot, <laughs> hot Hyatt. Hot John. <laughs> and we just get a shot of outside the cave, just this huge thing of s- the steam guys are just hitting, shooting out of the... And then cut to Excel laying on the ground, mm-hmm. all frostbitten. But first we, we get a... Well, oh, the we get, we get the Poochu card. I forgot about the we Poochu get a, with the ramen. We get a card that, with a, yes, with a cup of ramen being cooked, saying, in the process of revival... <laughs> Once the cup is done cooking, then we go back to Excel is now frostbit. So she she's naked, but she's getting wrapped back up in her clothes. Hyatt thanks Excel for helping her, but she apologizes for it happening. At which point, Excel asks her, Stop dying on me, okay? This stuff is killing me! So so reviving Hyatt is a very dangerous It's endeavor. a full-time job. Well, yeah, especially when you're climbing a mountain. Mm-hmm. So we do some jump cuts of some various items at the training facility. Some, uh... Stuff. An electric fence. 
targets, and then cheaply looking laser guns. Yeah, they look like those water pistols uh, from back yes. in the day. Remember those? Yeah, like the dollar ones yeah, that nobody you... wanted. Yeah. So they're sitting there holding these guns in their tight, skimpy outfits, and Kamapu goes, well, as you have uh, graduated school, you should know what this exercise is. Anyone got any questions? Watanabe goes to ask a question. He completely ignores Watanabe. Matsuya has a question. He immediately goes to address her. Yeah, well, you know, she is the, no offense to, I mean, Watanabe. I mean, I prefer Watanabe, but, but you know, Kabubu doesn't. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's telling the hot chick she can go. Yeah, so we get this nice little bit of uh, an overlapping questions. Uh, Matsuya is acting a ver- asking a very dirt direct question about what they have. Dirty. <laughs> a dirty question. A dirty thing. question. Well, Let me see your dirty pillows. Well, Watanabe has <laughs> kind of got a little bit more of a monologuish esque question, but it leads up to the same point about, you know, what is this thing that looks like a toy? Kabapu explains that it's a gun. They wonder why civil servants are doing that, and he's like, they're your local silver, civil servants and just shoot the targets. Thinking that this thing is not real, they're like, well, let's see if this thing is real. They point the gun at yeah. Kabapu, who <laughs> flips out. No, she proves that it's real by pointing at him. Yeah, it's smart. Does. Yeah. Yeah, because he flips the fuck out, jumps into his car, drives up one mountain, and mountain Lo- peak. Looney Tune drives away. Uh, yes. Up to a second mountain peak, and we get a shot of Kabapu explaining that they should not be pointing that gun at, at him. With the flags. With the yeah. flags. Yes. Correct. Thus proving that that is a legitimate Semaphore. weapon. Semaphore. I, uh, Sem- I, I, I could I not could think not of that. I remember the name of that. Thank Semaphore, you. Semaphore, thank you. That's why we keep you around. Right. You do your research. I know things. You do research. It's okay. good. Appreciate that. So we cut to Excel uh, climbing the mountain, explaining her situation that, you know, the snowstorm's kicking up. She's having a real hard time. She's talking to Camp 3, which is where Hyatt is, presumably because she'll probably die again. She looks so, like, calm and relaxed. She's just, like, sitting there smiling, laying in the snow, like, Camp 3, I'm here. While Excel is pretty much freezing her ass off, getting yeah. blown off the mountain. And he immediately, like, fla- fla- falls off Falls the off the mountain. We cut to a scene of the owner talking to Menchi, who's enjoying a nice bowl of milk. Yeah, and he has a flashback. He has a flashback. Well, he pulls out a gun. Menchi begins to freak out. He's like, oh, don't worry about this. And it's a flashback to his time in a paramilitary group. In... Hmm, this you don't know it's paramilitary. It could be a real military group. Well, what? It, it, it's, it's a strange jungle. And it's very... Very familiar. I mean, they look a lot like those guys in episode three. Yeah, except for when you get that weird close-up shot of the guy that is, like, dying. He was Duke from G.I. Joe. He's Duke from G.I. Joe. I swear to you, he was Duke from G.I. Joe. And he asks the owner, named Antonio. Maybe that group from the last episode was Cobra. Holy shit. Dukes! The ninja commando from hell is working for Cobra Commander? No, that was the demon sergeant. The ninja commando from hell was not machine. Oh, sorry. The demon sergeant from hell was working with... Cobra Commander? Cobra! That makes sense. (laughs) Jump back and forth between those two very well. Uh, (laughs) Yes, well, anyway. But, wait, most importantly, he knows Nabashin somehow. Yes, Nabashin appears. Because everybody knows Nabashin. Damn right. And we've got to have a Nabashin moment. That's true. That that little moment at the airport? Not enough. No, not Not enough. Nope. So Excel reaches the summit of the mountain. And she's excited. She's she's able to do it. And she actually gives herself a little interview. She's like, how you doing? I'm not doing too well. I think you're going to make it. Probably not. You know, yeah, she's it's just, back it, and forth. Yeah. She's peppy and then she's bad and she's feeling like she's hit her limits. When she <laughs> the oxygen's a, really thin up here. Yeah. <laughs> she ends up having a vision of Lord El Palazzo. And he says, do it, Excel. Yes, push the button. And yeah. she does. 
to activate the murderous multicolored sonic wave. Yes. Not multicolored. Red. Yeah, it was, it was just, just red. red. Yeah, but he said it's the uh, multicolored. And well, he's how, wrong. how does a sonic wave be multicolored anyway? It's right. he's you know, wrong. Well, wrong. I'm starting <laughs> starting to think that maybe El Palazzo is a little bit more megalomaniacal than we first thought, or dumber. Uh, I think he's, he's an evil son of a bitch. Yeah, I mean, dumb and evil. Dumb and evil. You can be dumb well, and evil. He, he just made the leap from everyday villainy to cartoonish super villainy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Having a doomsday device that would destroy the Thankfully, city. Thankfully, it doesn't work. No, no, it doesn't. But yes, it doesn't work because we cut back to the training sequence where Matsui is questioning how dangerous this weapon really could be. Awada says pretty much throws caution to the wind, aims the gun, and we get a shot of some jump cuts. We see Excel's finger getting closer to the button. We see a shot of the gun. Excel's finger even closer to the button. Another shot of the gun. Back and forth, back Back and and forth, forth, until... Until Awada pulls the trigger. A massive energy beam blasts out of the little tiny laser gun and strikes the mountaintop that Excel's on. Causing a massive explosion. A big chunk of the mountain is gone. I mean, it's... It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Kabapu arrives and says, well, I'll uh, take some questions now. Awada immediately cuts in and goes, what the hell was that? Yeah, which will you get a really funny pouty look on uh, Matsuya's face. Like she was going to ask a she's question. She's like, so- yeah, like she gets the, the kind of the turnaround treatment on that and her bottom lip is super pouty. It's mm-hmm. really cute. So Kabapu explains that those are laser guns, that they... Technology has gotten caught up with popular media. That the guns were experimental prototypes, so the power output put... (laughs) (laughs) I did. Oh my god. Sorry. Output. 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 Yeah, it made me spit. That the guns were experimental prototypes, so the power output might have been a little unknown. So apparently they were just nothing more than guinea pigs in case the guns blew up and killed them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At which point, Kabapu cuts the meeting short. Him and Matsuya jump into the car and leave, which kind of throws off the three remaining members who realize almost too late that there's an avalanche. Huge avalanche oh coming Oh my down. gosh. It covers them up. It covers Excel up. It covers up, uh, it hits Nabashin trying to give him a motivational speech to Antonio. Completely destroys the cabin. So everything, all the setup for nothing. Yes. Yep. Typical Il Palazzo plot. Yep. Typical Excel saga plot. Right. Pretty much. But we cut to the snowfield where we see Excel pop her head up. Favorite line of the episode? Where the fuck are we? <laughs> she goes, uh, hot shot? <laughs> Where the fuck are we? And it's great. It's fantastic. I do enjoy the F-bombs. Yeah, they, they like to... They, as we talked about when we were re-watching episode together before coming on the air, they love to sprinkle in the super profane Well-placed. Very well-placed. Very well-placed F-bombs. Exactly. Not not oversaturating the episode with that. I also like to point out the fact that Excel and Hyatt survived the avalanche with no aid from the fucket fairy. No, not at all. They managed to do this on their own. Yes, they did. I mean, we even had that that moment where when the energy blast is about to hit, we got the pencil drawing fading out of Excel's mm-hmm. body. Thinking it was very that she cool. Got vaporized. Very beautiful animation. Again, yes. once again. Classic. Classic style animation. But we now cut to a random cityscape where we hear... Very weird. Pedro monologuing... With a spotlight. Over a weird dude in a robe. Right, but talking about how his travels have brought him to a foreign land, and that it's all Gomez's fault. Now, the foreign land, considering the fact that Gomez does show up in this scene, 
wouldn't that be back at home somewhere? Yeah, that's, that's Gomez would like he's right. like living with his he wife. He said he perished in a foreign land. Oh, is that what he said? Yeah. Having per oh, oh no, you're right. Okay, I okay. thought he said travel. Good job. Good no. good catch. Good catch. Okay, that makes sense. He was working. He was working in Japan. Okay, All yeah, right, that sense. works. And Gomez is <gasps> is that you, Pedro? <laughs> so we cut back to Iwata, Sumiyoshi, and Watanabe. Who have apparently survived the avalanche. They crawled their way back. They are, they're they, starving. They are, but they're back home. And correct me if I'm wrong, is Matsuya moving in at the apartment complex? That's, yes, Matsuya. That was the appearance. Oh, yes. God, another what? character living in that apartment complex. Right, right. Maybe that should be about the apartment complex and not yeah, the characters. I, I Maybe. But anyways, Matsuya is like, oh, hey, you guys survived. Well, you're a lot more resourceful than I thought. Owada, once again... Iwata, brazen, like balls of steel here, is just like, just standing there, Matsu- stoic. Misaki Matsuya! Misaki Matsuya. And I'm like, oh, is this you- going to be the moment when they finally nope. fall in love? Nope, because she pulls the laser gun on him, pulls the trigger, destroys a section of the city, and yeah. blows Good off. civil servant. Yeah, I know. As, See, as you pointed that servant. out. You pointed that out as we were watching, like, how many people he, did she just kill? Yeah. <laughs> Great civil, Lots of them. great yeah. civil service there, and also blo- the energy blast also blows off Wada's skimpy, skin tight outfit, <sighs> and sadly creating what I call cheesecake moment number two. Yeah, but it's like one and a half. Yeah, because you really don't have I think any a detail. Tiny flesh colored geometric shape isn't really cheesecake. Yeah, I. I but would Andrew have... had to use his imagination. I did use my imagination. So, so it cheese- wasn't. That's what cheesecake moments do, though. They they you have to use your imagination. For I, the rest. They should have at least animated some butt cheeks or something. I would have been okay with that. Right. But they didn't get. Any but once again, we close with the usual typical closing card saying this this week's experiment. The coldest winter snowed in episode. Today's experiment has failed. It has failed. Oh, one of these days they're going to get a pass. Yeah, eventually, hopefully. But hey, that was the winter is cold snowed in episode. They got an almost pass before. They did. Like they got a little a little pass. Right, with or the romance episode. Yes. So, what did you guys think of this episode? Uh, I'll start, I guess, this time. I Not my favorite episode. Um, Everything's your favorite episode. No, this time, not so much. Ooh. I think there are a few good points, and I did laugh watching it, but I felt like the comedy was toned down, and when I watch Excel Saga, I watch it for the comedy. I watch it for those extreme moments of just weirdness, and there weren't as many this time. I felt like, and this is probably why I'm going to guess that maybe you, Bill, enjoyed this episode a little, a little bit more. It felt more cohesive. So, yeah, that's just kind of my take. What do you think, Bill? Well, I suppose it felt more cohesive, but nothing of interest happened. Yeah, I suppose you're right. The thing that I can think of that really did might have that might have come up from that was uh, just the fact that we were introduced to Matsuya. Right, right. I mean, I have to agree and disagree. It's not the best episode, but it's definitely a good, a well-put-together episode for what they have. You're right, the comedy is very toned down in this one. It's not, not a whole lot of laugh-out-loud moments, but there are some pretty enjoyable moments. Uh, we get to see uh, Awada getting his ass kicked, which I think is hilarious, because the, the guy's a dumbass. Yeah. What I enjoyed was the parallel storyline storytelling between the situation with Excel and Hyatt and the situation with Awada... Watanabe, Sumiyoshi, and Matsuya. It is interesting how both groups, across and this civil group, mm-hmm. are really kind of crossing paths a lot, and it makes you start to wonder, especially when we get to next week's episode. Cross purposes? It, it, makes, it makes me wonder if they do have cr- purposes that are kind of coming to a head, and mm-hmm. whether Kabupo is legitimately trying to go after a cross. Right. But well, we'll talk more about that next week, because right. I, think, I think next week really does maybe 
hint at a bit of antagonistic relationship between, between both Kabu, groups. Kabupu, yeah. And maybe even more specifically Kabupu and Il Palazzo. Yeah. I mean, we see a bit more of a darker side of Il Palazzo that he's, yeah, he wants to take over the city, but in order to do it briskly, he says, he'll wipe out everyone in the city. So yeah. we're starting to see a little bit more of a dark side. I think so. And that's one of the things I enjoyed about this. We're kind of pushing an actual overarching plot, which granted... We'll be ruined once Ropen Matsu shows up. <laughs> but anyway, what I'm trying to say is... I don't know what that means. <laughs> don't, you're, you're good for that now. Just, yeah, just, just hold just, on just, to that innocence. Your innocence will be broken soon. But that's next week's episode. That's uh, no Next has... week episode. Do you have the title? I have it. Do you have it? I have I it. I have it. But I have I... it. Melody of the Underground Passage. Oh my. So, uh... It looks to be intriguing. It is. Yeah, this is a great time. I'm glad we could get it together for this again. We've got yet another episode coming out next week. We're growing steadily week by week. We're going to eventually get through Excel Saga. I'm still wondering what the hell Bill's anime is going to be. Me too. (laughs) I am eagerly anticipating this as well. All right, well, that's it for this week. From Camp 3, this is Bill. (sighs) Missing male member, Josh. (laughs) He said it. He said it! Shut up! Oh, and I'm not a criminal. I'm not a porn star. My name's just Andy. All right, well, see you next week, guys. Later. Bye, folks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Tuning Japanese. To find out more about the show, visit tuningjapanese.com. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash tuningjapanese, on Twitter at tuningjapanese, and Tumblr at tuningjapanese.tumblr.com. You can also send us any questions, suggestions, or feedback by emailing the show at tuningjapanese at gmail.com. Be sure to also leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. If you liked our show, check out the other programs in our podcasting network, including the Shadow Vane Podcast and the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Hey, isn't that our boss? Then that means Uh, that we're... Why are you idiots making so much noise out here in the middle of the night? Whoa, a game! And might I assume that you three pinheads are the missing male members? Huh? Right. Well, like it or not, I guess we're colleagues now. My name is... What did I tell you about this earlier? (laughs) 